All right. Welcome to another edition of Stargate Sundays here on Seven Days to Rock and Stone Guardians. Rock and Stone, Kev. What's going on? Today's episode, my friend, Cold Lazarus. Did you uh, did you finish watching it? I did. I did. Nice. How'd you I like the whole how'd you, thing? How'd you like this one? Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, was... I would say that it's like this feels more like the kind of sci-fi that I grew up with versus like stuff that's more actiony. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's taken a huge step up from its very uh, slow start to right into the action. From the yeah. from this episode, from the last episode to this episode, um, I think last episode it started to ramp up, and now it's sort of full fledged, uh, about to take flight. The next uh, four episodes are going to be big, not necessarily yeah, you can this one. Feel it coming. Yeah, it's it's definitely coming. The ones that I'm really excited to go over are coming up real quick. So let's go over this one. So the name of the episode is Cold Lazarus. It's a, I, b- I believe a, a, a spin on. Um, the work of Dennis Potter. He wrote a, um, I think, a short story about a 24th century scientist who attempts to mine uh, information from the head of a 21st century frozen man. Uh, but just his head. I don't, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that at all. I, I'm not. It sounds weird and interesting. It so. is. Uh, I mean, I would I would check it out if you get a chance. It's uh, I believe it's called Cold Lazarus by Dennis Potter. Um, I'll do a Google. And this is not unlike the episode where we see Unity inheriting or mining or data mining uh, information from Jack's memories. So we'll get into that in a second. Um, Original air date on this episode is August 29th, 1997. Ooh, and what happened on that day, Kev? Oh, some good stuff happened on that day. There's a little thing called Netflix that was founded by Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings. August 29th, 1997. Wow. I know. I looked it up and I'm like, really? It's been around for that long? It's become a staple in our lives nowadays, especially because I'm, oh, yeah. I'm watching this series all over Netflix. Well, if you didn't know, if you're out there listening and you didn't know, Netflix originally was like a, a disc subscription service, so you'd put in... I want this movie or I want this series and they'd mail it to you. You'd watch it and then you'd mail it back. Yes. For our younger viewers who aren't familiar with the streaming service, they used to do, ju- they still offer it actually. The disc really? service. Yeah. It's an option. Wow. Um, I never don't plan on ever using it. I, mean, I don't know why you would at this point. At this point, it seems a little dumb unless you're really into the DVDs. I mean, I can see someone wanting it, like, once a week, getting a, a nice movie sent to them, and then they decide to watch it, and then send it back and get a new movie the next week. Maybe you just want to sit down and have some popcorn there. with the kids. But I'm, I'm okay with the streaming services nowadays. <laughs> we just pick a movie and see which streaming service is on, and then sit down and watch it. That seems yeah. pretty good. Just throw on whatever streaming service it lands on first and see what's yeah. new. So uh, there's another thing that happened. It didn't happen specifically on on this date in 1997, but it happened two days later. And okay. since yeah. um, I feel like that's right in the range, so uh, Princess Diana died only a few days later in a car crash on August 31st, 1997. Yeah, I remember that. I was too young to remember that, but 
I I mean, everyone talks about it as as some huge tragedy, and um, I unfortunately don't have the context of it. I guess it's really wild, um, just how like all the details came out like immediately, and it's like you know they they weren't all the details. Obviously, you don't know exactly what happened, but it was all over the news. I mean, are you everywhere? Are you in the uh, camp where? There's a conspiracy that she was killed by the royal family. Mm, I don't remember there being that much like tabloid stuff about her before that. So I think it's probably more that it just was a a bad thing that happened. It was a super a super tragic thing for some for that to happen in the UK at least. Oh um, well, yeah, I mean, member of the their royal family. Yeah, they were probably crazy. Well, I decided not to just do events in history. I decided to actually look up some other things in pop culture that were going on at the time. Video game releases, movie releases, all that kind of jazz. So I went a little crazy on the research here. There's a little game. There's a little game I think some people are very familiar with, especially at, at our age, Ryan. Yes. It's called Goldeneye. 007 uh, for the N64 was just released only a few days prior to this. Oh my god! Only a few days. It was crazy. I'm like, oh man, that was that was the shit. That was when you didn't have internet-based games. It was all you invite was... the boys over, you all get your nice Kool-Aids and, and your Pepsis, mm-hmm. and you sit there and you play Goldeneye on a four-way split screen. Ah. And your little corner of the screen, and you're just trying to survive. Yeah, and you're not allowed to look at everyone else's screen to find out where they are. Oh, no, and you, you get kicked out. <laughs> um, some crazy movie releases. Uh, Cole the Conqueror. Do you remember that one? I do. With uh, I do. Tia Carrere and Kevin Sorbo. Yes. I actually uh, liked that movie, but I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Sorbo anymore. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It doesn't stand up to like Conan. No. Like, if you want a a sweet ass barbarian swinging a sword fighting movie, you're watching Conan. You aren't watching that. You're well, this was the '90s version of Conan the Barbarian for a whole new generation of kids. But at the same time, it was also cashing in on his stint as Hercules. Yeah. And that really popular television show that most. Um, Middle-aged housewives were watching for the sake of watching Kevin Sorbo with a half a shirt on. But uh, dude, and what was the name of that show? Hercules. <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> uh, not a huge fan of him anymore. He's kind of a douche online. Uh, he seems to be a bit of a wingnut. He can have his opinions, but he doesn't have to be a douche. And it's kind of disappointing. You know, I really liked him back then, but now not so much. Uh, but Tia Carrere, everyone knows who Tia Carrere is, right? Yeah. Wayne's World. Party time. Yeah. Excellent. I forgot what her name is in Wayne's World. Uh, I didn't bother to write that down. Do you remember? I do not, but uh, that both those movies are just mm, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> we all feel the chef's kiss. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a movie that came out. There was also Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation with... Uh, which was re-released that that week. Um, and you're gonna get a kick. 
everyone who was listening is going to get a kick out of this one, especially with the news that's going on right now. Um, the GI Jane was just released the previous week from this episode. <laughs> so it was released during our last episode, The First Commandment, pretty much. Uh, I thought yeah. I should bring that up because it's become a little bit more relevant as of right, okay. as of late. This episode, uh, so that's all all set with what happened this week in popular culture during that air date. Uh, this episode was written by Jeffrey King uh, and directed by Kenneth J. Girati. Uh okay. Jeffrey King is a producer currently on Umbrella Academy, Blind really? Blind Spot, uh, and Continuum. Mm-hmm. I've uh, heard those names. I just I have no idea. I mean, Umbrella Academy. Everyone should be familiar with it's on Netflix. I know uh, that one. Written yeah. by Gerard Way. The new season's coming out very soon, isn't it? Oh, I hope so. I I, I believe I saw trailers for it. It's going to be really good. Can't wait to see. I I think they're going to call Vanya Victor now. I believe that's how they're okay. they're changing okay. the name since um Ellen Page has recently gone to Elliot Page. Not recently. Yeah. It was more like yeah. last year, the year before. I can't quite remember, but uh, he's now uh, Elliot. Yeah. I'd like to. I can't wait to see how that plays out on the screen. Uh, Blind spot. Everyone knows with Jamie Alexander from Thor uh, and Loki. I don't. It, Lady it, Sif. It. You know who Lady Sif is, right? Wonder Woman. No. What? Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Sif was Gal Gadot. What? Lady Sif was played by Gal Gadot. No, it was played by Jamie Alexander. Mm. Gal Gadot was not in the Marvel Universe at all. Mm. I think I think you're just mistaking the fact that they both look very similar to each other. <laughs> well, anyway, Jeff- Jeffrey King was a writer on Continuum and also a director on Blindspot, as well as being producer on, on those shows. Ken Girati, director for something called Law & Order, Criminal Intent. Oh, oh, big, big chops right there. Uh, he was also yeah. a director for Daredevil, believe it or not. Really? Not the movie, the TV series. Oh, that's good, because that movie was terrible. <laughs> also a director for Orphan Black with Tatiana Maslany, as we all know, is going to play She-Hulk. Uh, what's her What's her alter ego? Jennifer something? Uh, Jennifer Walters. Jennifer Walters. Uh, also Vikings. He was a director on Vikings. Okay. So that's uh, that's a, those are some pretty pretty big chops, and we all love those shows. So we know how good these guys are going to be. So let's see some early stuff from them in this episode, uh, Cold Lazarus. Cold Lazarus. So the synopsis for this episode is: While searching a yellow desert planet, the SG One team finds a pit filled with broken blue crystals. Colonel Jack O'Neill wanders off alone, touches one, and blasts himself backwards, knocked unconscious. A duplicate of himself is then created, who then examines the Tauri, and it returns to Earth with the rest of the SG-1 team. They believe it happens to be the real O'Neill. The duplicate O'Neill then explores O'Neill's past life outside of the Stargate command complex, and it soon becomes an unwitting threat to society. Ooh. So I've changed a bit of the format for our episodes. I'm going to go over a few important planet things, a few prominent characters, just so that we can understand it when we get into the episode, so these 
folks at home who haven't actually watched the episode will get a little bit of backstory so that they can follow along in their heads, which is the best way to follow along. a nice little picture. Yes. So uh, our planet today doesn't have a name, but it has a license plate. Our our license plate number is P3X562. Ooh, P3X, gotta love it. Yeah, they've always they always seem to use the P3X. Eventually, I know that they switch to different numbers, but P3X I seems to be that it deals with like the particular quadrant of the sky and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know. Maybe it it could mean something to do with it's a it's a cartouche planet versus a planet that they discovered some somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. And but anyway, um, the entity known as Unity. Uh, which lives inside these deep blue crystalline structures full of energy-based life forms. Prominent characters. Uh, Crystal Jack is what he's referred to as uh, in the movie. Or Sorry, not the movie. He's referred to Crystal Jack, which is just Unity, as Dupla Jack. But Can I'm... You- you can just refer to me for the rest of the episode as Crystal Ryan. Crystal, yeah, I can, but uh, honestly, Crystal Jack sounds like either a breakfast place or a new form of crystal meth. So I've de- <laughs> I've decided to call him Jasper because that is another crystal, and it's just better <laughs> in my opinion. So we're gonna call him Jasper. <laughs> so if I refer to him as Jasper, just know that's Dupla Jack or Unity Jack or Crystal Jack. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, right, Crystal Ryan. Thanks. Crystal <laughs> <Special> Kevin. <laughs> now, that definitely sounds like meth to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the next, next character would be Sarah. This is Jack's ex-wife. This is our first foray into seeing Sarah outside of the movie. I believe we see her played by a different actress. Currently, she is Jack's ex-wife. She's not, she's not married cur- currently to them. Uh, and we get to see a little bit of backstory on Jack. So this is really a good episode for that. Um, this is a heavy hit in actress. Um, Harley Jane Kozak is the woman who plays Sarah. Uh, she was in Arachnophobia. Oh, I love Arachnophobia. Uh, she played Jeff... I wanted to say Jeff Bridges. It's Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels' wife in that movie. Uh, damn, does she do a good job. She does a great job in this in this movie, in the show. Uh, she was also in When Harry Met Sally. Not as a prominent character, but not exactly a background extra. Okay, okay. So she's a bit of a heavy hitter. She's had some really good stuff. Uh, Charlie, the kid who plays Charlie. I, I didn't even bother writing his name down. Actually, I did. Never mind. Don't don't listen to that. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> Cut it. Um, in this episode, he's played by Kyle Graham, but we'll also see other characters or other actors play Jack's son in different episodes, um, even though J- Jack's son is dead. For all those who don't aren't aware of it in the movie, we find no, out... Spoiler alert. This isn't really a spoiler alert. We're going to be telling them in a second anyway. So, spoiler alert. In the movie, Jack takes on the suicide mission to Abydos to blow it up, uh, if he finds any sort of alien life that is hostile towards the planet Earth with a nuclear bomb. The, he always knew it was going to be a one-way trip, and the reason he chose to do it is because his son Charlie shot himself with his gun. Spoiler alert there. We don't really get... We get a brooding Jack in Stargate the movie with Kurt Russell, whereas we get a fun-loving life Jack 
in the television show. And they actually have an explanation for that. Um, according to some of the original creators, they seem to think that the reason that uh, Jack changes his persona between movie and show is because he found a friend in Daniel Jackson who sort of showed him a reason for living. And so he went back to his usual joking well, humor kind of thing. So he was like this before we saw him in the movie. And now, not to blunt that, but I imagine if you're in a situation that dealt with someone being killed by your firearm, that they would also require you to, you know, have some degree of therapy, which would definitely help with dealing with those, you know, unfortunate emotions. Uh, as far as we know, he never went into therapy, so God knows about that. Anyway, before we get into too far into into that backstory, which we'll we'll play a little bit into this episode, Charlie in in this context is our first foray into the actual meaning behind uh, Jack's son's death to him in the show. Let's get into that episode. Yeah, let's get into yeah, that yeah. episode. Let's, let's I think that's the... all the prominent characters we really need to know, other than the ones that we should already know. Big Papa T, Danny Big Boy, Carter, Kick-Ass Carter is what I'm going to call her, because she really is a badass. All those good good people. All right. So, let's get into that episode. Take it away, Ryan. No, wait. Take it away, me. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, do it. So, first of all, they so they step in, they arrive on the planet, uh, P3X562. I don't know if you thought the same thing, but when they get onto that planet, it looks like Play-Doh, right? It it really does not look like sand. It doesn't look like real sand. So they, they arrive on a planet full of yellow sand. So all we see is this Play-Doh yellow sand and blue crystal fields. Which yeah, is and, and it's extremely bright, so like it's uh it's really like washing out everything else. Yeah, it's extremely alien is what they were trying to get from the cinematography. And it, it works. It's yeah. definitely not something you would see every day on Earth anywhere that I can think of. Uh what about like, you know, the desert? I wouldn't see yellow sand and blue crystals just hanging around. You don't know. Have you been to the Sahara Desert? I haven't. I'm gonna say it right now. It could be like thirty foot tall blue crystals over there. It looks like play doh. It doesn't look like sand. It looks like play doh. <laughs> I guess we got a trip to the Sahara Desert in our future. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Jack <laughs> and Teal'c um, are just standing around, sort of waiting for Daniel and Sam, who are investigating the crystals. Uh, they've discovered and, and point out the fact that the most of them are broken, as opposed to. Uh, structurally sound. Uh, Teal'c looks ominous as he hawks over them like a Secret Service officer on his first shift guarding the president. I don't know if you noticed that, but he definitely looks like that. <laughs> I he's, super, he's taking it super seriously. He's not relaxing at all. And I love it. Because that's Big Pop T. He takes Big his job Pop very T. seriously. Whereas the rest of them don't seem to take it as seriously as he does. Yeah, they're only on uh, an alien planet, God knows how far away, with, you know, minimal resources. And any number of hostile alien life forces that they've never encountered or even imagined. 
which is <laughs> which which really plays on his character that he knows that anything could fucking show up at any goddamn time. So it really shows that he's aware that there are a lot more dangerous things out there, not just the gold. Um, Jack ends up making his way out of sight to investigate. I don't really know what he was trying to do, but he ends up seeing a large crystalline structure. The crystal is definitely out of place, and it draws his and our attention to it. Uh, the camera shot, camera angle slash shot that they go with is really reminiscent. At, you know when the when the Unity is looking back at him? Yes. It's really reminiscent of the way that they tend to do ghosts and stuff, where the the picture sort of shifts back and forth, wavy. Mm-hmm. And it's out of yeah. focus, and it's just... You've seen it before in a lot of different things, I imagine. But uh, that's what I got out of it. As soon as he goes to touch the crystal, he's then shocked so hard that he's thrown back, where he is then knocked unconscious. Oh my god. Nobody... Yes, which, like, sorry, after you... Get shot was, back. Yeah, shot, shocked back by a, an unknown energy source, uh, which we come to know is the Unity life form. What's really interesting is that he just sort of... He, it doesn't look like he hits his head, but he definitely hit, hits his head. He has to have to knock himself out, right? Um. Well, I mean, you'd think so, but maybe like the, the energy that hit him like you know, disrupted his uh, oh, nervous yeah. system or something. Definitely could have been that, too. Like, uh, you know, just like getting tased just a little bit. Getting tased just a little bit. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Um, from there, uh, after he's passed out, almost immediately, like instantaneously, we end up seeing the duplicate of him looking over him, uh, confused. But I also got the fact that he was worried about him. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you get, definitely get that from like his facial expression. Picture of his, they have a picture of his facial facial expression on the the wiki. He looks confused, but at the same time, he looks worried. And you got to play that up to Richard Dean Anderson's great acting skills, because he's not playing himself; he's playing Jasper. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I don't know if this is like the first example of this, but there's not got to be not too many examples of actors playing a, you know, a copy of themselves or a role opposite themselves in, in something. I'm sure there's lots of TV I mean, tropes where something like this not happens. Not before this, but like... Probably not so no. much before, but I've seen, you see it happen a lot. Because there's all sorts of stuff like that now. It's, I, think that, I think if I were to classify it, it's sort of the Freaky Friday TV trope or Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of thing. Yeah, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. It's probably closest. It's more close, but you see that Freaky Friday trope happen quite often where people switch places. And that, believe it or not, there is an episode that we will see in an in a season or two that that happens with <laughs> with the group. They accidentally switch bodies, and it is. Oh, gl- I, I'm talking more about him playing opposite of himself. I can't wait to see Richard Dean Anderson playing Teal because it does happen. So amazing! Get your big part pants on, playing people. as Richard Dean Anderson, or Chris, yeah, Chris Judge playing yeah. Jack O'Neill, which is pretty good too. So anyway, after this whole thing, uh, essentially, or walks back to the group, and then uh, they just sort of go through the gate. So we cut back to the gate room. They arrive back completely unaware that this is not the O'Neill they brought with them. 
and something just popped in my, my head. I, I have to I have to mention this. This is a fun okay. fact okay. for everyone, not just about this episode, but the, about the series in general. Hit us hit us with that fun fact. <sighs> today today you're sorry you're today years old when you found this out. I am today years old when I found out. In Stargate, the movie, O'Neill is spelled with one L at the end. Okay. Stargate, the series, he is spelled with two L's. And (laughs) what's even funnier about this is that he, uh, Richard Dean Anderson actually mentions this in a few episodes. I don't think he's done it yet in the episodes that we've we've rewatched and, and gone over, but he will eventually do it, and he's going to point it out, and uh, I think that's absolutely hilarious. Super uh, super meta on the um, on the point of Brad Wright, uh, Jonathan Glasner, and, and, and uh, the others. Oh, I love when they do that. Uh, just like the, uh, uh, doesn't it say Colonel anywhere on my uniform? Also a good, good point. So he does, he does it again with the, the whole O'Neill with two L's. And it's quite, it's quite good. Back to what I was saying. So they arrive back at the gate room, completely unaware that the O'Neill that they brought with them is not him. Um, so although we didn't really see the interaction between when they called him back and when they go through the gate, you would, you would think at some point the small talk that they go of, they go about, or the lack thereof, would have been a little indicative of the fact that this is not Jack O'Neill. This is Jasper O'Neill. <laughs> well, they're always like bantering and egging each other on and like he was just like silent yeah he definitely didn't speak between when he duplicated o'neill and when he made his way to the briefing room no no for sure and then uh what the next scene is them in the locker room right um yeah well no no, no they go to the briefing room first but uh, i'll get i'll get to that okay um the dude in the background with the geiger counter in this scene where they're back in the gate room uh, keeps doing the motion, regardless of where any of them are. <laughs> it, it, I, I, this is my favorite thing to do. I love to point out when extras are taking their job way too seriously. I gotta hand it to them because Scott, they're in a, they're in a television show. They're gonna take full advantage of it, but it makes for great screen time. Oh shit! This might be my chance. I gotta wave this thing around. Exactly. So he just keeps waving it, regardless of the fact that they have already walked by him and he keeps doing he keep, he sort of leans over still doing the motion way too far away to make that geiger counter any any sort of use and <laughs> I, I i got a good a good laugh out loud moment right there but so anyway jasper takes the whole thing in confusion he's just sort of looking around doesn't quite understand the gate doesn't quite understand what was going on and nobody there were 50 people in that gate room not to mention the others inside of the control room. Nobody said anything. Like, nobody said, hey, are you feeling all right, Jack? Yeah, not one of those soldiers or technicians was like, yo, what's up, Jack? What's going on? Yeah, they're all just sort of ignoring them. And, you know, I can get that once in a while where they're like, you know how you walk in and you always say hi to somebody when you get to work? Like, I'll walk in and I'll always say hello to the receptionist. But when I walk in and I don't say anything, usually she usually asks me if everything's good. Because it's such a routine at that point. So I guess it doesn't make any sense why no one's mentioned anything. Hit me with it, Ryan. I I know what you want to say. 
Plot device. There, there it is. <laughs> so anyway, cut to the briefing room after we get uh, get out of the gate room. Uh, Sam and Daniel are the only ones talking, and they are explaining exactly what they found on the planet. There's a bunch of crystals that are broken. There's no sign of any culture as they know it, uh, and there's just nothing there. There's no life whatsoever that they can understand. They no do sign of the gold. Yeah, the only thing that they're getting is some ionizing radiation off of the crystals, which they want to explore a little further, but they don't really have to do much except bring a couple of the crystals back and test it out. What's funny in this ep- in this scene is that Jasper is standing and staring off into space at the gate room. You know how they can see the, the gate room from the briefing room? Yeah. He's just sort of standing there, staring off into space. And you have to think <laughs> that he was standing there for ten minutes, at the very least, and no one said a damn thing. Now, this this is definitely a plot <laughs> a plot hole, but it's definitely a, just a way of moving the plot forward. Right. That no like, one says it them Not saying anything, not referring to him for an answer or anything. But then you have to think... What if Jack does this shit on the regular? Yeah. What if he just stands? <laughs> I didn't think about that. Like, what you if have he to... just doesn't say anything? Like, because no one's saying anything, you have to think maybe he does this on the regular, where he stands and stares off into space. Because he likes to pretend he doesn't know what's going on scientifically and all that jazz. Now, he probably doesn't want to go into the crazy detail that Carter will go into, but he understands. So you have to think that he's just like, I don't fuck feel like listening or, or talking about it. You guys do it. <laughs> These guys like to talk. Let them talk. Yeah, so I gotta say that's probably what he's going for here. Jack probably does this though, constantly. <laughs> can you imagine, though, being Richard Dean Anderson and like going through the shots for that scene, though? Okay, okay. You're going to stand here, and uh, you're going to stare at that Stargate until we're done with the take. <laughs> he's like that's, that's, that's I, all you want I can do this this oh, okay. is what I was built for and then they have to cut it three times no, not like that don't stare like that you have to stare you have to think you have to be completive and he's like oh, <laughs> alright oh that, that really was a laugh out loud moment for sure <laughs> step up step up when you think about because that's the stuff you get to see or you get to think about when you've rewatched the series so many times and i've rewatched it at least 10 times so i'm starting to notice the little stuff that nobody would and i'm bringing it for you giving you the yeah. laugh out loud moments the first time around everyone yeah so cut to jasper goes to do some investigating um in jack's locker which he just happens to know where it is. Uh, which just plays to the fact that he has all of his memories downloaded in, in fractions of a second, which was quite impressive. So he High finds speed bandwidth. Let's yeah, get on that. Yeah, let's get some unity in here, people. Let's, let's get some ionizing radiation bandwidth. <laughs> we already have that. It's called five G. <laughs> anyway, Ooh. Jasper does some investigating. He finds a box of pictures. Um. I bet you some of those pictures are likely ones that Richard Dean Anderson's personal uh, oh, I picture albums had. You got to think when you're an actor and you have something like this, and they're like, "Yeah, could you bring in some pictures of yourself from way back when?" And they're like, and he's like, "Oh, I, you know, I, sure, sure, I'll bring in the good ones." And he brings in some uh, older, younger pictures. Nowadays, I don't even think they bother; they'll just Photoshop them. Oh, the, yeah, they'll get some sort of like. Uh... 
donation or you know you can get pictures uh like that just by going to like the flea market or uh uh antique stores sometimes have them so you just swing by and you can just buy people's old pictures for well like, i mean these pennies. ones specifically have his face in them yeah I, but it's a kid though it could be just a kid that looks similar true but these ones these ones look like he was in his 20s like his early 20s i suppose i mean it, it'd be nice to think that it that it for sure was him but you know i'm pretty sure at least one of those pictures was definitely him oh yeah probably at uh, least one yeah the other ones probably not so much but i, I see where you're going with this <laughs> then there was the picture of the naked baby and i'm like this is a television show i don't care if it's on showtime that's a, that's messed up it's just like your typical like it's a butt, it's like a butt picture bath. yeah it's you're like just your tush yeah you can see his butt that's about it he's like uh the gerber baby or something like that i don't know my gerber or huggies yeah. <laughs> so so Jasper's sitting there, and he, he ends up getting triggered. Uh, some of the memories of Charlie end up being triggered. So we get our first first view of Charlie being alive, which is new because we didn't actually see that in the in the movie, I don't think. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. And then and then Sam Sam tries to, to get to know him a little bit better, and he's like, oh, well, nice pictures. And then uh, he just sort of bolts out of there real quick. And then Dan walks in, Daniel Jackson walks in, and then Sam finds out for the first time about his past, specifically uh, his family history that Charlie had ended up uh, killing himself. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would like to know exactly how long they were supposed to have been working together at this point, because like, even if he didn't want to talk about you know, his son's accident, like he would have probably mentioned that he had an ex-wife. I would go with probably around... Two to three months at this point. In time. Yeah, I mean, like I, I feel like she probably should have known that he had a former family, even like if it's not something he talked about frequently, because they they've got to be spending most of their time together. That's true, but at the same time, Jack doesn't have, doesn't live with his wife anymore. Probably doesn't speak to her at this point. So why would he talk about it to anybody else? Typical. I don't know it's just one of those things that I think would probably come up. Eh, just not one of those things. I mean, he uses humor as a defense mechanism for sure as part of his personality traits. So you would think that if someone tried to dive too deep, and I don't know if you've ever belonged to a sports team of any kind. Sports. I have indeed sported before. Yeah, sports teams that have been together with each other and military units, probably very similar, or at least psychologically very similar, maybe not as strong, but you don't go too deep. Because you don't really want to be the guy who goes too deep and everyone starts, you know, poking fun at him. You know, uh, yeah, you don't toxic masculinity. Out of the closet and, you know, it's, uh, it's like Letterkenny uh, with uh, the senior team that the, the guys join. Oh, yes. Those guys. <laughs> And they're just going through talking about things, but the one guy is always like, and I love my wife. I love my wife. Wait, what? <laughs> I love my That's great. That was a good example, yes, of what we're trying to go for here. People uh, people poke fun, or guys, I should say, poke fun, because you, you don't want to be the guy who sympathizes with that, or be the guy who is that. But anyway. Or, you know, have any degree of emotion at all. 
Yeah, toxic masculinity at its finest, but I wouldn't consider uh, Jack O'Neill a toxic masculine. He's just socially um, pushed into something like this, so he doesn't really talk about himself, which makes sense, personally. Sam and Daniel, after that, end up um, uh, going over to the research lab. Uh, as soon as they walk into the research lab, or at least when we get into the research lab, there's a giant crystal dong just chilling in the middle of the room. I'm glad you said something. It because... wasn't just me, right? I, I, like, yeah. Like, I, I don't know it, if I'm programmed it's to believe it's definitely a definitely intentional. It was... It, I, it, the idea was to draw your eyes to it, and it drew my yeah. eyes almost instantaneously to it. Because it did. It's, it, because they crafted it to be like a big old crystal dong. It's with one? Like yeah. A ball throw of smaller crystal dongs. Yeah, it's definitely a giant... I would say at least three to four inches in diameter. Huge crystal that pokes out by itself, surrounded by a little bit of that um, yellow sand slash a fantastic array of pubic hair in the form of little blue crystals. Yeah. So it's definitely someone was being a dick and... Figure or literally in the back room when they Although created the this. quality of the the prop making in this episode is definitely better. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's great. I would I would want that if I was to buy props from a television show. I'd go for things like this, the stuff that not that not everybody would want. Like, there's definitely someone who would totally want to buy the gate itself, which they probably end up through in the, throwing in the Smithsonian or something like that. The little things, things like uh, the puppet of the Asgard that you will see in a few episodes. Um, that would be I something. I just want that extra large uh, like meat bone that Daniel was eating off of in the Broken Divide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird thing to want. Anyway. I know it was just a. It was a. It was not the best looking prop. Yeah. So anyway, but there. The, then there's this. So there's some random scientist that they're talking to that we that we never see again. And I'm I'm one of those guys who's like, okay, what happened to her? Uh, she probably was black bagged and never seen again for good reason. She was another crystal person. She, nope, nope. She was just black bagged because <laughs> she tried to uh, release information about the Stargate. Now, this isn't true. We're just <laughs> speculating for those at home. We have absolutely no idea why we never see her again, probably because they never wanted the actor to come back. Maybe again. we'll uh, see her again in Stargate Blops. Yeah. So then we get into the fact that found, they've discovered that there's electromagnetic energy coming off of the crystals. Now, it seems subtle. And this is what I love about the show. It doesn't assume the audience knows or doesn't know the information. So it spits it out right in front of our faces so that we either... And they don't do it in such a way that makes it feel like they're talking down to you. Yeah, and they don't really go on and on and on. So they make no. it pretty succinct. So they, they... That's just a great way that 90s television used to do that 2000s television doesn't do very well. It's like they, they took the education out of television shows and they just replaced it with action and comedy and nothing else, nothing of real substance. 
Well, yeah, they're like, if you want to know more about this, you can Google it. And it's like, that's fine, but I'm not going to remember to Google it in like an hour. So, yeah, it's like, it's, it's night. It's nice that they try to, to educate you while at the same time connecting with the audience in such a way that you, you're, you're fascinated by it. And you, you remember because of the fact that you were fascinated by their first description of it. Yeah. Like generally I feel like I'm more engaged with stuff if i get a little bit of a explanation little teaser before, if you will. Uh, before like diving into it or you know at least something that lets me understand it slightly more and that's what i love about 90s television and this show in particular because they do not they do not take their audience for granted so anyway we cut to jasper and he's headed to jack's house Jasper Jack, what's he doing at Jasper Jack's house? I was hoping for a little back and forth banter there, but whatever. (laughs) Jasper's headed to Jack's. Jasper's heading to Jack's. Jack's going to Jasper's. Jasper's going to Jack's Jack's house. house. He he gets to to Jack's house and Sarah's uh, outside gardening. Uh, (laughs) Where else would she be gardening? Outside gardening. I don't know. What are you talking about? Outside gardening. He's... He almost immediately mentions Charlie. Like he goes, "Where's Charlie?" And then you like, if you didn't know at this point that his son had killed himself, which we find out because Daniel Jackson told everyone, you can see it written on her face. And God bless this woman; she's a great actress. She has got got the facial expressions to kill because her face literally reads everything that's wrong about what he just asked. Um, so, so not only is she she's super upset by the fact that he mentioned it, uh, she seems to be super confused uh, and is seriously concerned about what's wrong while when he thinks that Charlie is still around. So she's both right, like she's both worried about him because that's a very weird thing for him to ask, and distraught over the fact that he mentioned him in the first place, which is uh, hard to convey convey in very few words and just with your face i'm sorry i interrupted you i'll let you uh let's see if my brain can comprehend my thoughts at the moment yeah so it's like his whole thing for for going in the the first movie for taking that serious event and like we know that it essentially ended their marriage uh so like imagine like going through all of that to have that person show up and be like you know, where's the kid that we know is no longer here? And, and like all the emotions that would have to flash through your head, because that would be yeah, like, a lot. At this point, we I have to assume that they haven't seen each other in, in months. Probably not since the divorce went through. Right. Was they may not even be like communicating in a regular manner. Exactly. So him showing up out of the blue is just... And and especially saying something like this is super concerning to her. So that's that's her state of mind uh, about what's going on with Jasper showing up. She doesn't know it's Jasper, but we do. Right. We, the audience, are privy to that information, and you have to know that that's big responsibility, everyone. You can't go shouting it out. They might hear you. Yes. You can't just shout at the screen. Who are you? That's rude. It's very rude. <laughs> <laughs> His dad oh, or her dad shows up, right? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, before before we get into that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Like I, I I hate to gloss over like a small moment that happens on Jack's way out of the base. But, oh sure uh, yeah. 
but Teal'c is like approaching him to like finally take him out onto like into Earth to show him like what Earth is about. Yeah, I was gonna mention and, that too. Yeah, go for it. And you know, obviously Jasper Jasper Jack's like he he's like, No, not today, no. Yeah, not today, mm-hmm. it's not happening. Not happening. Uh and Teal'c's like like the fuck, man. <laughs> like I'm like it's just a, another like example of great great faces from Oh Big from Chris, Yeah, Big Papa T, Christopher Judge. Christopher for sure. Judge. Yeah. That guy's got acting talent and we're gonna see it shortly. Not that we haven't already seen it, but it's pretty subtle and you'd have to have watched the show a couple of times around to have really yeah. appreciated it. But, but I thought that moment was like was it was pretty interesting. It's a bit heartbreaking for him because it's like you're starting to form a friendship, and you're like you want to move it a little further. You want to interact outside of uh, a work setting, yeah. and then he's like, "No, I don't have time." And it seems like super. Well, and don't forget, like distra- the position he's distressing. in too. He's essentially like uh, he's cooperating, but he's definitely he, like essentially a captive. Uh yeah, they get into that a little bit later. Where what happens if he decides he wants to leave at some point? Is he a prisoner? What do they do? Because he has information that could become that relevant be like to the enemy. Yeah. yeah, like he knows how things work, like the IDCs, the GDO devices, and the fact that there is a, an iris at the gate. Because as far as the Gould know, anytime they send someone through, they haven't got a clue what happens. Because they, they, if if I were them, I sent someone through, and they died because they hit an iris. How the hell would I yeah. know the iris is there? The right. only thing that I know is the guy never came back and never made communications with me. So we have to assume that our infiltrating failed. And what the hell do the Gould care if they kill a couple of Jaffa? He could give them some serious information. Uh, and if they know that there's an iris there, there would be no point in sending weapons or anything like that through. They would end up at that point creating a fleet of ships and making their way to Earth. Which would be kind of screwed at that point for yeah, that's good. That's a good mention. I was gonna put that in my notes, but I bought. I, I was like, yeah, it's, it might be a little insignificant. I, I mean, I know it. It really isn't much in like the scale of this episode because it is like super focused on uh, you know Jasper Jack and uh, you know his past and like those events. Uh, no, it's, but it's I thought good, it was interesting. It's a good mention. It's definitely good for for Teal's state of mind too. He's such a background at this point in the in the series that we need to. We need to find out what's going in Big Papa T's head. Absolutely. So we gotta get in there. That's a good mention. It's a good mention. So anyway, back to Jasper. So Sarah gets upset and she runs into the house. I, th- I feel like I'm skipping because they go back and forth a couple of times here. Mm-hmm. But well, I think I think you're 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 pretty much on track because like they he you know he makes the statement and then uh, yeah. like the the dad comes out and like well it was. Like her and her dad, and they were doing stuff outside, is when uh, like that all happens. Oh yeah, so no, I, yeah, no, I know what's going on here. Sarah mentions the fact that Charlie's gone, like, and that that concept is super foreign. I keep saying super. You gotta stop me. Give, give me a squirt <laughs> bottle. You know what's interesting? That con- yeah, that <laughs> con- yeah, that con- you guys should play a drinking game when you're listening to us. I, every time I say super, and every time he says, you know what's interesting? Uh, but death seems a foreign concept to Jasper. Uh, I don't think that the unity, and they do go on to explain it, that they don't understand death. 
because no one is ever truly gone in the unity as they are remembered in 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 some way slash they still exist right we get to that a little bit later in the episode but they definitely talk about the concept of death so at this point when sarah says he's gone he just seems to think that charlie's gone away and that he can bring him back somehow and he wants to bring him back to uh through the stargate to jack which we do find out later in the episode but then we we cut back to the sgc uh and tilk is uh, starting to learn more and more about our peoples and our culture, and the best way to do that is watch television. So he's sitting yep. there, and he's flipping through channels, and I know you love this part. Uh, <laughs> he goes through a couple of channels. One of them is rock music, uh, <laughs> which he only takes one hand, and he keeps the other one on the remote. And he takes one hand and covers up just as one ear as soon as the rock music comes <laughs> I on. Know. Yes, it was so great. It was pretty good. And... Uh, <laughs> Then um, he ends up new with war and violence on it. He ends up uh, on on a channel with uh, news about war and violence. I couldn't read my notes because I wrote something so stupid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love when I do that. Yeah, it says new with war and violence on it. I forgot to put the S in there, so I was like news. So he ended oh, up yeah. finding about uh, news with uh, with a war that's going on and some violence. And then he mentions to uh, Daniel when he comes up to him, he's like, your world is such a strange place. But Daniel's reaction to that is even better. He goes, well, so is yours. <laughs> yeah, I, I did love that. <laughs> that interaction between the two, that's why I, I, I love those two, especially. Because they're kind of background at this point. They're not main characters. It seems like Carter and Jack are the main focus of the team. Uh, but when Daniel and Teal seem to interact, it it always goes well. Um, so then we go back, cut back again to Jasper, and he's uh, he's looking over he's looking over Charlie's old room. So he's looking over the life of a child that was taken way too early. Um, and one fell swoop, and this is because you only have so much time on a television show. You have to get these emotions right the first time round, and you have to pack layer upon layer of emotion one on top of the other. And in one swoop, we get the sense of confusion, pain, and loss on a single face in Richard Dean Anderson while he's standing in that room. And to me, you get you kind of get the feeling that Jack is actually this is this is actually Jack feeling this. It may be Jasper standing there, but these memories have got to bring up some emotional history from well, Jack. Yeah, I mean, like he's supposed to have all of. Uh, Jack's feelings and thoughts, right? Yeah, this may be this may be his reaction to finding out what death is for the very first time, but it, it's definitely like you know how we're talking about symbiotes and how they take some characteristics of the host. Yeah, this is this is one hundred percent something very similar to that, science fiction wise. He's definitely feeling the emotions that Jack has felt in the past, and now it's. It's probably overwhelming him, which is why we end up seeing him in the fetal position with the pillow on his head when uh, when Sarah's dad shows back up. Speaking of Sarah's dad, Sarah's dad, Jack's father-in-law, comes in and says that Sarah's not over him, uh, and he wants Jack to know. This at this point he's talking to Jasper. He wants Jack to know if he's here to break her heart again, he better be prepared for a world-class beatdown. At least <laughs> he didn't say that, but he said that. 
in, in it was the implication, if you know what I mean. Uh, yes. Yeah. He he gave him his vaguest, but more his biggest threat while being threat. vague yeah. at the same time. And Jasper's reaction is better because he has a short look of confused chaos go across his face, like he both doesn't understand. And also doesn't give a shit about what he just said, <laughs> which <laughs> gave me a little giggle. And I hope it gives you a giggle, too, if you watch his face as that interaction happens. So we get to see both Jack and Sarah's reaction to the death of Charlie while he goes through those memories. I'm not going to lie. Now, this may be the fact that I've seen this show so many times that it's given me a bit of an emotional uh, bond to some of these characters, but I th- I want to say it's just good directing and good writing that gave me some serious emotional turmoil when I saw that memory of. Uh, I mean, uh, I, it it definitely like struck a chord for sure. Maybe not as big a chord, but for me it was like, oh shit, that is some serious. Like you hear the you hear the bullet go off. For those that uh, didn't actually watch the episode, what happens is. Um, he's Jasper's sitting there, and he's going over the memory of what happened when Charlie shot himself. Uh, Jack just gets home. He greets Sarah, who's also doing something in in the front yard, probably gardening again, and he gives her a kiss, gives her a hug, asks where Charlie is. She says, oh, he's upstairs. And then, boom, you hear the, the shot go off. And the look of horror on both of their faces just struck a huge uh, emotional toll cord on, on myself. So I gotta give a I gotta give a a bit of a clap, golf clap, golf clap, to the tap, uh, tap, 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 tap. to the visuals, the audio, and the writing of this episode for for actually tugging on my heartstrings. Back at Stargate Command after all of this, because <laughs> it it goes back and forth between what's going on with Jack and what's going on with the team, which is I think the first episode where they do something like that where they split up storylines, so they have a side by side running parallel against each other. I don't think we've seen anything like that just yet. Correct me uh, if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I, yeah, I don't think we've seen too much. Uh, well, we saw it with... We did see it with uh, with Sam um, when she was captured in Emancipation, but um, we're just going to pretend like that doesn't exist like the ninth season well, of Scrubs. Yeah. No, they, well, yeah. Uh, no, Emancipation doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So back at Stargate Command, uh, Sam and Daniel have Teal'c uh, grab a staff weapon and shoot it at the crystals. <laughs> this interaction gave me the giggles, too. Big pop. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> Someone's like, what are you doing in there? And then Teal'c goes, Big Pop T goes, you did get permission to do this, right? And they both go, yeah, of course we did. When both know absolutely not. Not, one, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but that intera- that interaction was only necessary for Daniel and uh, Carter to determine that the Gould were responsible for destroying the crystals on the planet, uh, as the patterns of the, or the blast patterns on their um, test subject were very similar to what happened on the planet. They go back to to Sarah and Jasper, and they're sort of talking as if they want to get back together and. Jasper's mentioning that he's got to get Charlie to the Stargate. And yeah, he keeps repeating, I got to get Charlie to the yeah. Stargate. So they keep giving, they get a little bit of a heart to heart going on. So it's really, it's like a, it's like a less than a minute interaction between them. So I didn't think it was necessary to put in the notes. But after that, they end up going back to SGC 
Uh, Daniel and Sam have discovered that the crystals can mimic their faces, and they begin talking to them. They don't refer to it as unity, I think, at this point. I, I don't know if they, they mention it. I think um, they just, this is when they just discovered it can talk back at them. Right. Um, this is, yeah, this is before they have, like, a conversation. Yes. It's just, like, uh, they've figured out that it can say something. Yes, they've discovered that it can look at them, mimic them, and talk to them. What's real, real interesting fact, when the gate goes on, they don't actually call it an unscheduled off-world activation. Mm-hmm. That was weird. I thought that was weird, because at this point, they've definitely called it an unscheduled off-world activation. So I wonder why they skipped it this time. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be... Well, I guess they would still call it that, even though it would have uh, O'Neill's code. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but this is still still uh, unscheduled, but this unscheduled off-world activation, as we'll call it, of the gate, actually brings the real Jack back. And God knows how long, how much time has gone by. I have to assume several hours. So this guy's just been lying unconscious on an alien planet. In the sun. Where he could have been molested by anything. I don't know why I jumped to that, but that's my conclusion, that he could have been molested by anything. Um, Let's not talk about what you would do, Kevin, and let's move on. It's Richard Richard Dean Anderson. Richard Dean Anderson. Doesn't appreciate my backhanded sassy comments anyway (laughs) (laughs) i love this from jack he's like where the hell have you people been did you just leave me to die on that planet we need to get a life alert or something guys (laughs) obviously he doesn't say that but that's that's what i would say i need to get a life alert because that that was life alert he was scary that was scary um, Wouldn't cut, you be scared if you I'd woke be, up alone? I would be terrified. I'd be like, oh my god, anybody could have touched me. Sorry. I'm sorry. Was just, you keep going there. It's a knee-jerk reaction. You I can't help it. There. I can't help it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anything could have happened to him. He could have been killed. And that just scared the crap out of me. Cut back to after uh, after they arrest Jack and, and throw him in a holding cell. Um, Sarah and Jasper in the park. They're talking and talking and it seems like things are going well, but then and Sarah ends up getting pissed at him because he keeps mentioning Charlie and the Stargate. And then we see a flash of blue lightning on Jasper, and he collapses onto the ground. And this is that ionizing radiation we were talking about that's getting to him. The crystals at this point are, or the en- energy that's keeping him together is, is um, sort of falling apart at this moment in time. There's not much he can do about it. He has to get back to the Unity so that he can regain his power. So they, they talk about it as just being a circumstance of the like atmospheric makeup, you know, uh, yeah. interactions between like electrical fields, uh, yeah. ultimately causing his energy to just like dissipate. Which is killing him. Yeah, the ionizing radiation it is, is slowly sapping him of energy, and eventually he will uh, release it all all at once into a large explosion. Yeah, and it, uh, it ultimately makes him dangerous, too, because uh, you can't be around... Yeah, this uh, is the unwitting... ...radiation like that. Yeah, this is the unwitting uh, danger to society from the synopsis that we finally discovered. Um, so after that... Back to the SGC, bouncing back and forth. Now, it seems like this is happening, like, really quick, but that's just because we're describing it. It, It's much longer in between. It does, like, accelerate, though. 
at it does, this point. Yeah, they are going back and forth quickly, but they are definitely uh, not as quick as we're going back and forth through it. So the SGC, um, uh, Jack, General, Tilk, Sam, and Daniel start talking to the crystals to find out the backstory, which they end up finding out the backstory. After having determined that this is the actual real Jack O'Neill, and they need to find out where the hell the other one is, they find out that a Gould was accidentally killed by the crystals a long time ago. So they ended up gathering all of the uh, crystals together and destroying them one by one. It's a little confusing for me because it's... Uh, do they need the crystals to survive? The crystals need to be whole for them to survive? It, yeah, that, that kind of stood out to me as like a... It's something I would want more information on. It's a bit of a story um, hole for me. I won't call it a plot hole because do. it doesn't actually matter in the long run scheme of things. But it seems like they need the crystals to survive. They also need the atmosphere and, and the planet itself to survive. Like, what, what do, they, do they exist as energy? Or are they captured inside of these crystals with energy? They don't go into it. I'm not going to go into it. Because <laughs> we'll be here all day, <laughs> and I know you people have other things to do, even though you love listening to my sultry voice. Ooh, those Ooh, deep tones. Those deep tones. Anyway, so they find out that the Goulds were responsible. Bastard Goulds doing bastard things with bastard other guys. You know that old chestnut. And this is where they discover that the crystals are actually breaking down and they're ionizing, uh, which is causing radiation. Um, and now the crystals that they have at the SGC aren't as dangerous uh, as the ones that Jasper's carrying around. Yeah. Let me uh, ask you a question. Sure, sure. Okay. So these crystals, like they killed a Gould. So the Gould destroyed all the crystals, right? So like, did they investigate and find out that the crystals were sentient? Or was it like, this guy stubbed his toe on one and died, and then his friend was like, "That, that fuck that crystal," and like just started <laughs> blasting. And fuck then the other guys start blasting, and it's like you know, if I if had... you were to go on a camping trip and like stub your toe on a rock, you can just start eating rocks into the lake. Like fuck you, rock. <laughs> if I had to take a guess, I don't think that actually killed a. Gould specifically, if I had to take a guess, it probably killed like a first prime uh, Jaffa. So it probably killed the right hand Jaffa to a, a Gould. And that probably pissed the Gould off because he's like, these shit bags are dangerous. So they didn't really give a crap whether or not they were sentient. And I'll bet you anything, if I remember correctly, they mention it that they didn't reveal themselves to the Gould. So they probably didn't know they were sentient. But they're like, these things are dangerous and we have to destroy them so that if any others come around. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it honestly seems like what they did is they grabbed a whole bunch of dangerous crystals, threw them into one place, and destroyed them. So it's like they destroyed a whole bunch of nothing. From their perspective, I should say. It seems like they just killed a whole bunch of inanimate objects for no yeah. reason other than the fact that table that they stubbed their toe on pissed them off so i get your question <laughs> and yes it doesn't make a lot a lot of sense because it doesn't feel like they would have revealed themselves to the gold at all uh but that's that's pretty funny actually <laughs> to think about 
So, yeah. so after they find out that the crystals are breaking down and ionizing radiation, they find out that Jasper could be even more dangerous um, because he's much bigger and he's probably releasing a lot more energy uh, while he begins to, to break down. Uh, at this point, we find out that Carter had talked to Jasper, and he was looking at pictures of his family. So Jack's like, shit, gotta get to my family that I haven't talked to in God knows how long. I it's... gotta make sure he didn't tell them all my chili recipes. Yeah, so at this point, it's a race to save Sarah. Um, the general just happens to have found... Uh, what has he found there, Rye? The general has just found what? Oh, I was hoping you were going to say plot device. If I'm throwing it at you, you just assume the plot device is your first answer. Okay. okay. <laughs> right, let me hit that softball. Let's plot do this. device. Yes, a new plot device. Uh, so the general's just discovered a plot device that uh, Jack O'Neill, uh, a J. O'Neill, I should say, has been admitted to the hospital. J. O'Neill. Um, so he's like, oh, shit, we got to go to the hospital. Um, so the general also then tells Teal. He has to leave his staff weapon. And God bless Christopher Judge. Somebody <laughs> protect this man. Because he says, to to which he replies, I've seen your world. I think I'm going to need it. And then I just died. I'm like, that's that's exactly right. He's probably well, The best part it. is he doesn't even hand it to the general. The general takes it from him. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I've seen your world. I'm going to need it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so another fun fact for everyone. This is uh, the first time that we get... There's a lot of firsts. A lot of firsts for these few episodes, which is awesome. So this is the first time we see them acting as agents of the SGC on Earth. Um, so usually they're considered a military unit. In this case, the SGC becomes sort of a... I don't want to say intelligence division, because it's not really an intelligence division, but it becomes one of those three-letter acronyms. You know, you know the ones I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The alphabet agents. They act as they act as uh, under the guise of being Air Force, uh, or yeah, the Air Force branch of the military, mm -hmm. and it confuses a lot of people when they when they come up to them in other episodes. It's like, what the fuck does the Air Force care? Why are you guys investigating? Why isn't it like the Secret Service or some shit? It's Jag, Jag. Yeah. So anyway, this is the first time we get to see them acting as agents of the SGC. Um, and this is the first of many hats that we get to see Tilk wear to cover his uh, Apophis logo on his on his forehead. Uh, eventually, he he just goes with a beanie. He just likes the beanies in the future. I imagine it's more comfortable. But this time, it's it's one of those really really ugly uh, military ball caps. Uh, Jasper is a lightning show at the hospital. So Sarah's there with Jasper. She still thinks it's Jack, and he ends up. Being like, I gotta get back to the Stargate. I gotta get back to the Stargate. Please take me back to the Stargate. I must get to the Stargate. Otherwise, I'm otherwise I'm gonna die. Um, so you gotta take me back there. Then he just starts to like blast off. He becomes a sparkler of sorts, where he's shooting off ionizing radiation, and then it becomes a serious emergency at the hospital, where everybody's gotta leave. What I found funny. And you know how I love to search for extras. I know I've just oh, mentioned yeah. it. I, it's going to be my big thing. I'm going to be searching what for extras. There is a random dude running out of the hospital when we when we cut to the police officer uh, saying, we got to get these people moving. There's a random dude in a robe and scrubs um, with a Ferris Bueller-style uh, robe on. 
Okay. And he's got a single crutch, except he's walking almost perfectly, putting no weight on that crutch at all. What he's doing, essentially, is he's leaning over to the side, putting <laughs> it into the ground. And you know how I, I, I know I'm not going to describe this very well, but he's like leaning it purposefully while putting all of his weight on the foot and walking like that. Like, like it's completely fake. And, <laughs> and it's like, dude, don't even stop it. Just stop it. Please stop. <laughs> we know it's fake. We can tell. But it got me. Gave me a little giggle. Anyway, so then Jack Jack shows up with uh, with Carter, Daniel, and Teal'c. Um, and then they, they run in there to find Jasper to get him out, um, to save him, get him out of there as soon as possible so he can't hurt anybody. They go in with uh, with hazmat suits on, it looks like. And yep. Jack goes up to him, and he ends up getting thrown back again. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, somebody check this dude for a concussion. He's been thrown back into his head and back twice. He has to have had a concussion he at some point. should not be taking naps. Yes. Somebody friggin' check him, because he's definitely hurt himself. And then Jasper ends up going into a, a long explanation of what he was planning on doing. Uh, he explains that physical death doesn't mean the same thing. People don't really die when they're in the unity. Think of it like the... I think I would think of it as the Borg where even though your physical body has died, your personality is still lost in the hive mind somewhere. Well, this is like exactly what we were talking about with um, the symbiotes last week, is uh, even if your your body is dead, if you're part of the hive codex, your consciousness is still alive. Exactly. So yeah, that's sort of what we're going for here. Uh, I think that's what he means. He wanted to try and bring Charlie back to fix the emotional pain, the mental pain that he could feel in Jack. And he which, describes it as a, a hole in, yes, uh, in a, Jack. A hole in, in his uh, in his heart to fix him. Because it's like the physical pain was, was, was fine, but the mental pain, the mental anguish that he was feeling was um, was not. And he needed, he, the only way he thought to do it was to bring Charlie back, the one thing that he seems to be missing. Cut to Jasper turning into Charlie for I, I mean no other reason I, I honestly don't don't quite get it yeah but everyone's jaw drops at that moment when he physically changes into Charlie you can see everyone's jaw drop except for Teal'c you have to know what's going on is in his head he's going uh, I don't know what you people are thinking but the, I see this shit all the time this is <laughs> this is normal for me this is Thursday Come this on. is just Thursday uh, so apparently this kind of thing happens a lot for Big Papa. Big Papa T. Christopher Judge. And and from there, essentially, it gets a little dramatic, and they go a little ushy-gushy, and, and it seems like the... Well, I'm sorry. It seems like the relationship between Sarah and, and Jack seems a little... Still strained, but at the same time doesn't seem like it's going to be getting any worse. And it might, in fact, be getting a little better. So... But I doubt they're. I I doubt even if they decided to, if these were real people, I don't think they would be getting back together. I think no, that, I think that emotion, that extreme strain happens. It's it's not pretty like hard to come back. Backwards, from. I think. Yeah, I, even if they were real people, I doubt very much that they would be getting back together. Uh, but the, the writing definitely doesn't put them back together at all. 
Um, and I think we no, only no. see her a few more times in the series altogether. Well, I, I, I don't know much about the, that kind of stuff in the series, but it seems like they don't really explore much of that outside of like the characters interacting in the like professional capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is some resolution. They do manage to get Duplajack back to, uh, through the Stargate. And he saved, and we never hear from him ever again. Um, and his dick crystal is mostly intact. <laughs> yeah, his dick crystal has been mostly intact. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the episode right there. Now I'm going to get into a few fun facts slash interesting events. After having heard most of what, what happened in the episode, I'm going to give you some interesting stuff. Like I said, we're changing changed up the format a little bit here. Give you guys a little bit more. Interesting fact slash event. Uh, the theme from Independence Day can be heard in this episode at 40 minutes. Right around 40 minutes. Uh, now it's not exact, but it's pretty close. Um, apparently it was also heard in the previous episode at some point. Which I didn't uh, hadn't realized last week when we were talking about it. But uh, yeah, you can go back and, and listen for it. You'll end up hearing it. That's interesting. Okay, okay. Um, B, this is our first foray into life forms that are physically and, I mean, not, not physically, not necessarily just physically, but psychologically different as well, uh, from us besides the Gould symbiote. So this is a, this is our real foray into, uh, alien life forms in this episode. Even though technically the Jaffa are alien, they're still... Well, genetically non, human, non-humanoid aliens, I yes. think, are some of the more interesting ones. So, like, yeah. uh, you've got the uh, Hanar from Mass Effect. Those are really interesting. It's like a jellyfish type thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the the series I really like, uh, Games of Endless Space, has like all these uh, like subclass characters well not characters but um species that are like non-traditional aliens like there's i think there's one called the harmony that's uh like crystalline or like stone creatures yeah and uh like you know all that stuff there's the the geth from mass effect which are kind of a, a ai race that's you know they have physical forms but mm-hmm. they can also exist as like the cloud. Oh, okay, so they exist in in a non corporeal fashion. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So this is our first foray in something like that, a non corporeal life form. Uh, I would probably it's probably the best way to put it because they exist as pure energy inside crystals, which they don't really go into explaining whether or not they actually need them. But let's not let's not dive that. Let's not get to that. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> um, this is our first. Um, scene in which we see Jack dealing with Charlie's death. I mean, even though it really is Jasper, it it's definitely Jack in some way, shape, or form, like we described. This is the first time we get to see it outside the movie, where he was perfectly all right to take on what he knew would be a suicide mission and die by nuclear nuclear bomb. So there's that. <laughs> let's get in. The, let's get that in little the, nugget that's yellow. not a giant black hole of weight. Yeah, so let's get into the rewatchability scale now there, right? Uh, I felt like this was uh, pretty like rewatchable. Where are we going? One, um, one through five. One through five. 
Uh, I think I said I'm going to go extreme with the uh, uh, the decimal, decimal points. points. Yeah. So I'm going to say like three point six. Three point six. Like I could rewatch it. I think it's a good episode, but uh, I'd probably choose something else first. Gotcha. So um, I mean, here's here's so everyone understands my scale. Uh, one will mean that you shouldn't have watched it the first time around. A two. <laughs> would be a watchable episode, but I would recommend skipping it if you're going to do a rewatch like we are. Uh, three means it's a solid episode, but it can probably be be skipped uh, if you do the rewatch, especially if you're not interested in seeing it. Um, four, definitely recommend watching it, but if you only have a certain amount of time uh, to choose, um, then just, just go with this one. Or choose a five in this case. A five... Great definitive episode really shows exactly what the show is about, and you always rewatch. You never skip. So fours are ones that you would only skip if you don't have enough time to watch more than one episode. Then you would choose fives. So yeah. in terms of rewatchability for this episode, it's a solid three. Uh, if you're into science fiction and don't want to be held down by too much drama like me, you can safely add this to your binge library. Um but I wouldn't consider it a go-to episode, especially if you're not in the mood for drama. It can be skipped. Yeah. It can be safely skipped if you're not into drama, because there I would is say, like if you want a really good science fiction episode. I think there are probably episodes better than this. Oh, there are. Like, there are. The next episode, I would skip straight to the next episode at this point. So that's all we've got. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a plug. I'd like you to uh, to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. At 7 Days to RSG. That's the number 7 and the number 2. Uh, at 7 Days to RSG. Uh, that's both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we are sponsored by today, Random Thoughts in the Shower. Does poison have an expiration date? What do bees feel like on the inside? Yeah. Is it more poisonous afterwards or less dangerous? What yeah. does it feel like to touch the sun? Can you go west? Why can't you go north forever, but you can go west forever? What kind of lint does a belly button create? <laughs> All words at some point in time were made up. Did we domesticate cats, or did they domesticate us? <laughs> and my final one. If life gets you down, by, be reassured that you've evolved to have a one-way digestive system. <laughs> 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 oh, no. I didn't even think of the other possibility, Kevin. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So, thanks for joining us at Stargate Sundays. Please uh, catch us next week for um, the Knox, the Knox episode. That's yes, all. Yes, yes. That's all from us. We wish you seven days to rock and stone, Guardians. Rock and stone. Later. Later.